Heavenly Father, we feel your presence here this morning. There's nowhere we'd rather be than wherever you are. When you're singing over us, when we get to be in your presence, that is where we want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Enough. Enough. How much is enough? You see, everyone in this room, everyone watching online, we probably all have different definitions of how much is enough. And if we're honest, for some of us, the definition is there never is enough. We've been in this series called The Gospel of John, the untold story, looking at the, in, through the Gospel of John at the stories that only he tells about Jesus' life. You see, John lived longer than the other disciples. And he wrote that fourth and final biography of Jesus' life. 90% of what he tells us isn't found anywhere else in the Bible. It's almost as if he went back and read their versions and decided to write what they didn't write. And today, we're going to look at a story about Jesus raising a person from the dead. The ultimate miracle. And it was someone very dear to Jesus. His name was Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Jesus was close with all of them. In fact, they were part of his inner circle. Whenever he was in town, he visited them and stayed with them. He would go there for rest, to refuel, and to renew. In fact, when you read the New Testament... Jesus had, it was closest to Peter, James, and John, but outside of that small circle, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, he was just naturally drawn to. The three people that he seemed to put his trust in that emotionally filled his tank was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Let me read you what happens. And it's a long section, but I'm going to read it, and then we will unpack it a little bit at a time. We find it in John chapter 11, where it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was 
two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his, his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me even though, will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said to him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit in trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. 
It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, Come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus had done put their faith in him. Now, obviously, there's a lot in this story, but there are three big ideas that Jesus did, three big things that Jesus did that are important for us to take note of today. The three things that dive deeply into who Jesus is and how he relates to our lives. The first one, Maybe the hardest one, Jesus delayed. He waited. He didn't go at once. Now imagine if this was us. If it was your, one of your best friends and you hear that they're sick to the point of death. Would you have waited? Two days? And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. He knew that Lazarus was sick. He knew that Mary and Martha wanted him to come, and yet he waited. He allowed Lazarus to die. Does that stand, stand out to you like it does to me? Now, we know how the story ends. So it may not be that big of a deal to us looking back, but put yourself in their shoes at that time. It was a huge deal to them. It meant that Mary and Martha, whom he loved, had to go through enormous grief of losing their brother. It meant that Jesus allowed Lazarus to go through the pains of whatever disease ultimately killed him. And he let Mary and Martha go through the pain of watching their brother suffer and die. That's what his delay meant to them. And he meant to do it. Why would he intentionally delay? Because he knew what he was going to do when he got there. He knew what it would mean to the three of them and what it would mean to all of those watching. 
He knew the big picture, the why behind the what. That there's a good greater than their pain, greater than our pain. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where might God be strategically delaying something in your life? Where is he not acting when you want him to act? What is he not doing that you think he should do? That you want him to do more than anything else in your life? Where is he delaying? And from your perspective, it's madness. Maybe even it's bordering on cruel. Because you need God now. Have you ever thought that he might be purposefully letting a few things unfold in your life that in the end is for a greater good? Because all we can see, all we can feel is our pain in the here and now. We don't know why. But we're being called to trust in the one who does. One of the most difficult things to do is to trust God with the unfolding of our lives. His timetable, the events, the pain, trusting that in the end, whether we see it in this lifetime or not, he is a good God. And his timing and his purposes in all that he does is always good and best. You may not know why, but you can trust in the one who does. So that's the first thing that he did. He waited. No one understood why, but Jesus did. But then we notice a second thing that Jesus did. Jesus wept. That memory verse that we all hoped we would get one day, but we seem to never get it. But there's more to it than that. You see, when I always pictured this memory verse, I always pictured Jesus sitting there with like a single tear rolling down his cheek. But let's look at the verses again. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Do you notice the language here? He was deeply moved in spirit, troubled. He wept. And then again, a second time, it tells us that he was deeply moved. You see, the English language doesn't do this justice. That term, that phrase, deeply moved, in the original Greek language is one that's difficult to translate into English. It carries with it the idea of such a strong emotion that it would be like an animal, such as a horse, snorting. 
Have you ever been so grieved, so sad, that you almost heave with emotion? Crying so hard while you're trying that it's almost hard to even breathe. And all that comes out are snorts and heave. That's being deeply troubled. And the Greek for the word troubled meant to be stirred up inside, to be agitated, to have everything turned upside down and sideways. Meaning that you're an emotional wreck. Even those two simple words, Jesus wept, don't quite capture all that's in the original Greek. That Greek word used by John for wept is used here and only here in the entire New Testament. Never used again. It's not the normal word for crying. And the verb tense is very forceful. The most accurate way to render it in the English would be that he burst into tears. He broke down crying. Portrays a different picture, doesn't it? Than Jesus with a single solitary tear rolling down his cheek. No, he is so upset that he bursts into tears, can hardly get his breath. He's heaving and snorting. That's what that verse means. Jesus was an absolute mess over the death of his friend. Not to mention that the pain that he saw Mary and Martha going through. He was a wreck. So much so that people said, look at how much he loved him. Now what does that tell us about Jesus? Is he a distant God? An unfeeling God? Lacking in empathy for what we're going through? Absolutely not. But it wasn't just for Lazarus. He feels the same way about you and me. Your pain, your sorrows, the state of your life, the things that are making you break down are causing him to break down. He understands it. He gets it. Which raises a question in my logical mind. Why did he break down so much when he knew he was just going to raise him from the dead? Shouldn't have been that upset. He was getting ready to raise him from the dead. It's no big deal, y'all. Just calm down. See, my logical brain doesn't understand that. What does this tell us about how Jesus feels about the whole train wreck of human existence and human suffering? Earthquakes, tsunamis, bullying, cancer, drugs, pornography, abuse. What does it tell us? about what's going on in this world. You see, I think at that, at that moment, it wasn't the death of Lazarus by itself that caused Jesus to be so upset. It wasn't just that. It's what it represented. See, in that one scene was everything that was wrong in this world. Death and disease pain and heartache, loneliness and separation, 
evil and injustice. This was not the way things were supposed to be. This was everything that he came to set right. See, that moment, it was all shoved into his face and into his heart. And at that moment, seeing all that would happen, he broke down. Which led him to do one more thing. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Giving the world a foretaste, a picture of what was to come of what he was able to bring into our lives. Not just resurrection in the life to come, but spiritual resurrection now. And if I may take a little sidestep a little bit off topic to one of the things that we as Seventh-day Adventists believe, that when we die, we sleep until the second coming. You see, this is one of those stories that I usually use in talking to people. Because imagine if you were Lazarus. You've been dead for four days. If he, if, if he had gone to heaven immediately after he died, he had just been four days in heaven. Now Jesus brings him back to the earth? How cruel would that have been? If that is what was really happening, if I was Lazarus, I would have said, no, y'all, I'm fine, and back, back into the tomb. I'd rather be there. You see, this is a story that I think is one of the best examples of what we as Seventh-day Adventists believe about the state of the dead. That we sleep until that second coming. You see, when Jesus asked Martha if she believed, he wasn't saying, do you believe that I can raise Lazarus from the dead before that great resurrection at the end of time? He was saying, do you believe that faith, that your faith in me brings life now? A relationship that will never end and that physical death cannot destroy. Do you believe that no matter what, I am enough? Do you believe that no matter what happens in your life, that he's enough. And she said, yes, I do. And it's at that point that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. To let Mary know, to let Martha know, to let you and I know that he really is the resurrection and the life. That we can trust him. We will face hard moments our life. The most difficult, the painful, the confusing, the heart-tearing, the gut-wrenching, life-shattering moments, they will come. And you'll have to ask yourself, is Jesus going to be enough? Because he's, he's all you'll have in those moments. Your trust in him, your hope in him is all you'll have to hold on to. You see, in the end, this is a story about faith. A faith that may not know the answer to why things happen, but trusts in the one who does. 
a faith that believed that Jesus could bring a brother back from the dead, but trusted Jesus and loved him even if he didn't. A faith in Jesus who knows the why in our lives, who weeps in our pain, who will give the final word as the resurrection and the life. Is Jesus enough for you? You see, I said we all have different definitions of the word enough, but there is only one true definition of the word enough, and his name is Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth. Thank you that he is enough. That we don't have to worry about the pain and the suffering in our lives. We can trust in you because we know that you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen.